Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Very good morning to you all. Great to see you here. And uh, my real joy this morning to introduce uh, a guest speaker today, uh, a very good friend of mine by the name of Adam Meredith, who is the, uh, the senior minister, actually, at uh, the Red Door Community Church down at Coburn. Red Door, some of you might know of Red Door. Um, it was originally a Riverview uh, plant or campus. Remember, Riverview did that thing years ago, I think under Phil Baker's leadership, where they had a north campus and a south campus. Well, the south campus is what has now become Red Door and has, um, uh, in a sense, cut those official ties with Riverview and is its own thing, and yet uh, in so many ways is uh, richly connected with the wider body of Christ across the city. So Adam and I, um, we travelled to the US together towards the end of last year uh, to the 100 Cities Summit in Washington, D.C. Uh, we've worked together as part of the Movement Day planning team, and uh, really, uh, probably mainly over the last 12 months, uh, I've just come to really see Adam as... Um, not just a friend, but a real brother, actually, a real brother in Christ. And uh, we seem to speak the same language and uh, have a, a love and a passion for the same kinds of things. And uh, so I've just grown really to appreciate this man. And I uh, just feel very honoured that uh, he would come and share with us. We just thought if we're going to be speaking about unity in Christ and unity across the body of Christ, uh, what better demonstration of that unity would be uh, than to actually just get someone from another part of the body of Christ to come and uh, we open our, our pulpit and our, our church for him to come and share with us this morning. So Adam, why don't you come and uh, let's give Adam a warm welcome as he comes. Good morning. We speak the same language apparently, but he's from South Australia and I'm from Western Australia, so we're not that close. But we did get the same memo because uh, we're, we're looking pretty similar today, Nick. I don't know if you know, I've decided to do the uh, long sleeve today. But uh, appreciate your leadership. <laughs> Thanks so much for um, letting me come and share with you guys this morning. Such a privilege. Mount Pleasant has been such a, a big part of the Christian landscape in our city and uh, over, over many years. And so it's a real privilege to be standing here today to be able to share with you what God's put on my heart. And uh, I'm, I'm married, married 20 years and three, three children. So it's getting pretty serious now with my wife, Dale. Um, we uh, have had the privilege of leading uh, what's known as the Red Door Community Church for the last seven years. Uh, the, the number one question on your lip right now is, what's with the name, Red Door? And so um, probably thinking that way, uh, just so you know, there's a story in the book of Exodus where the blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts and uh, with a bit of creative license, it uh, dripped down onto the door. And uh, that is why the door is red. But Jesus is the Lamb of God. Amen. He's a Lamb of God. And the door is now red because of the blood of Christ and allows us to come through him. He is the gate. He is the door that we come into a relationship with our Father in heaven. And, and so it's a privilege to be able to have a bit of a gospel explanation when people ask, what's with the name? Red door. So it's really great to be here with you this morning. We're going to jump straight in um, to John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. And I believe uh, a young man by the name of Adrian is going to be reading this morning. Where is Adrian this morning? Adrian, over to you, my friend. Thanks for calling me young. Um, <laughs> the reading from John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one 
Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Just bow your heads for a second. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning, that it would penetrate every part of our hearts, our minds, our spirits, that you would renew in us your intentions, your plans, your purposes, both for us individually, God, but for us as a community, us as the church in this city, in the city of Perth. Reignite the flame, Father, we ask by your spirit that we would be one, just as you are in the Father, Jesus, the Father is in you, you are one. May we reflect that same oneness today as we explore what this looks like in our city this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So your theme is glory. Everyone say glory. Glory. It's an amazing word, and it's kind of one of those words that's tough to kind of put your finger on in terms of what does it mean, the glory of God. And uh, I know uh, Peter uh, last week referred it to as the presence of God, the the absolute presence of God. There's There's a glory when God is in the room. He is amazing. He is beyond description. There's a there's a weight to glory. There's, a, there's something that's when I say heavy, it's not a, a burdensome heavy. There's something weighty about God's glory. There's something significant about it. Uh, I like the thought that when you think about God's glory and he, the weight of who He is, uh, does does God weigh in on your life? Does He does He does His word have weight in your decision making? Does His word and His spirit and His presence affect your lifestyle, affect you in some way? Uh, does, it, does it weigh in? I, I like that phrasing. I think the more that we understand that, the, that, that we exist, our goal is for the glory of God. Our lives are meant to reflect the glory of God. We're meant to be like that 45-degree mirror that's reflecting the glory of God to a world that has not yet seen Him. Could it be that you could be the, the only person that Someone has an opportunity to see who Jesus really is in and through your life. That the glory of God revealed in Jesus be revealed through your life. Could it be that God would use you in this way? I I believe yes. I believe we are all meant to be God's carriers of his light, of his glory that the world would see. And so uh, in the last few weeks, you've been looking at this idea of glory. You've been looking at the idea of um, what it is for the glory of God to be revealed in Christ to be kept in Christ, and today we're talking about united in Christ. If we do not make our goal God's glory, uh, we will make something else our glory. Um, we, are, we can't escape glorifying something in our own lives. We, we will always worship something. We will always idolize something. We can't escape. We're like sponges that are designed to suck in something, and we need to be sucking in the living water. That is Jesus himself. 
Um, I, I saw this uh, video the other day. It's a, it's a pug dog, and this pug dog is kind of drinking uh, something that's not really there. It's kind of drinking the shadow of the water. Uh, the pug dog should be at the living water right there, but it's 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 drinking at the shadow. And and I saw this. I kind of made me feel like. You know, unless we are drinking from that living water, unless we are drinking from the glory of God ourselves, what we will be showing others is really just a shadow of something, not really helping people enter into that very life-giving, never-ending stream of living water that Jesus promises all of us. And so if we are expecting to show the world the glory of God, we must be partaking of that glory ourselves. We must be partaking of that, that living water ourselves. And so part of the way we partake of that is around this topic today, uh, united in Christ. Uh, when we first consider this concept of being united in Christ, we want to just be clear that today we're not talking about what it is to be united with Christ. Last week we celebrated that. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, causes us to be united with God forever because we believe. The work of God is to believe in the one the Father has sent, Jesus Christ. And as we believe in that, we are united with God, with Christ forever. But we're talking slightly differently today that we are united in Christ. We are the family of God together. Interesting, I heard people say, well, Adam, I just really want to do my relationship with Jesus. Just Jesus and me, please. I don't really want to connect into the church. And uh, my response to that is if, is if you want to get to know Adam, if you want to get to know me uh, Personally, you, you, can, you can, absolutely. You can get to know the things I like, the things I dislike, things I'm passionate about, things that, are, uh, that bore me, things that I love. You'll get to know me. But if you really want to get to know me, you've got to meet the one who I'm one flesh with, my wife, my bride, Dale. She is, let me tell you about her. My gosh, she is absolutely amazing. She's my best friend. But funny enough, if you've been married for more than two seconds, your spouse tends to bring out the more of you, the more of the real you. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, it's, it's almost like if you want to just know the groom by himself, i.e. Jesus, and detach the bride from the groom, you will only get like a two-dimensional Jesus. The more you connect with the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus, the more you get to see more of who he is. You can't just know Jesus by himself. Well, you can, but you're only, you're only just scratching the surface. There's more to be found. That more to be found is by connecting with his family, with his body, with the bride of Christ, to know who this Jesus really is. And so today we're kind of talking about the Big C Church, the Church of Perth, the Church of Jesus Christ in the city of Perth, uh, which is an exciting thing to do because Jesus loves cities. He loves to reach people groups that live in a city. He loves Mount Pleasant Baptist, but he loves something even more. He loves this city even more. He loves the people of this city. And how do we, I suppose, initiate that conversation in our city that Jesus is alive and active in this city? And I I believe it's through this concept of unity. As we've just read in John 17, that the world would know that the Father had sent the Son. And so today I want to touch on three topics. Why is unity so important? What is unity? And how can we get it? How can we do it? How can we express unity? How can we live in that place? Actually, I got my order wrong this morning. What is complete unity? Use that phrase, didn't it, in John 17, that we brought to complete oneness. Everyone say oneness. 
Oneness, what does, that, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so what is that oneness? We're not talking about the same local church, unfortunately. We're talking about something bigger, something grander, something vaster. We're not talking about a singular denomination. Uh, we're not talking about the, the, the Baptist denomination. We're not talking about unity within a... Church history has shown us that it's more than just structural unity that is talking about. How do we know this? Because it says in John 17 that the world will be so struck by, so taken aback by the fact that, wow, this, this unity is something that I don't believe we've ever seen before. It goes beyond just a structural unity. It goes beyond just a denominational unity. It's more than that. Unity is not uniformity or conformity. It's more than that. It's not about creating a structure that contains, restricts, or controls. It's not even about coming to an agreement on sort of difficult doctrinal issues. Unity is simply relationship. If we say relationship, 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 it's a way of standing with others despite differences in substance, style, and saying we are one. We are one. We reside under one name, the name of Jesus, his name. He's the one who makes us one. We're different, but we reside under that one name. It's clear from Scripture that this oneness we're talking about today is not optional. It's not like a take it or leave it kind of dynamic. It's not something, you, well, yeah, you know, it's, I'm into it. No, I'm not. It's, you don't, we don't have an option. God, it's, 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 we're commanded We're we're almost drawn to a place when if you're walking with Jesus wholeheartedly, if your soul is sold out for Jesus, he will draw you towards unity. He will draw you towards this oneness. In separating and dividing and disputing as the church of Perth, we throw doubts onto the oneness of our Christian faith. Our Christian faith is is. It declares the glory of God because it declares the oneness of God. God is one. He is one. And we see that oneness reflected in the Father being in the Son and the Son and the Father. There's that oneness. If, we, if the church that says we are the body of Christ doesn't reflect that oneness, we actually bring discredit to the glory of God in this city. The world's not going to be persuaded by a good doctrine, by a good argument, It's not going to yearn for communion with the Father on a well-based, well-articulated theology. It will not turn from destruction to hope because of moral judgments. The world will yearn for the Father when it sees the church that is in oneness with its head, that is Christ, and oneness with each other. That all of them would be one. All of them. Everyone say all. Everyone who says Jesus is Lord and Savior, that all of us, the saints, will be one. And it's not just people from the same nation or same denominations. That was one of the interesting things about Christianity when it first arrived on the scene, was one nation would have its religion, one nation would have its religion, and Christianity was, was a stark marker that it didn't matter where you were born, didn't matter where you were from, or what you, how you were brought up. Christianity was one of those first moments where people said, ah, this God you're talking about, it is for everyone. Everyone say everyone. That's you. That's you. It's everyone. It's all of us. No one is excluded from the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ. So the spiritual truth is that in the family of God, we are one. We are one. That's already true. 
Here's the thing. The Spirit of God is leading all of us to live like it's true, to actually operate like it's true, to allow our lives to reflect that spiritual truth, to live like it's true. Interesting, we actually do need our differences within the body of Christ. We need them. We need our nuances. What we need is the walls to come down a little bit so we can have relationship, so we can have connection, so we can, you know, it doesn't matter about how you worship or what songs you choose to do or not do or how you structure your service or your liturgy. It doesn't, the issue is we need to have relationship, but as long as we keep those walls up, we can never connect but our differences are so important because our differences prove that our unity in Christ is real. If we just become the same, well, it's our sameness. It's our conformity that causes us to be one. And that was never the design. I love the fact that the body of Christ is so diverse, so broad. There's even room for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in the body of Christ. You guys are so crazy and weird. No, you're not really, but... But what I mean by that is, in the body of Christ, there is such a broad spectrum, and that is beautiful. You know why? Because each little part of it reflects the character of God, and together we resemble, like you know, like a crystal? When you, you see a crystal and you put it to the light, and as you turn it, you see a different aspect of the crystal. It's like the body of Christ reflects different parts, different aspects of God's character. So that is beautiful, and we must embrace that. We must not say, well, that's just too hard. I don't like sushi. You know, I'm just, I'm just uh, you know, roast chicken, thanks very much. No, it's actually taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Grow an appetite for the variety that exists within the body of Christ. When we do, and it builds not just an acceptance of one another, but a loving relationship, a community of love, that's when we see unity really go to where it should be, a oneness that is complete, a loving community. So what does it mean to have a loving community within the body of Christ in the city of Perth? What does that mean? Just a few simple thoughts. There's a sharing of possessions. It all belongs to God. We don't own anything ourselves. It's not ours. It's interesting you've got an AGM. None of this is yours. It's all his. Sorry if that's a newsflash for you. Um, it's all his. And so as a result, the body should be sharing in its, what we have for the purposes of the mission of God in our city. There's a oneness in sharing our problems. When we have difficulties, challenges, how quickly is the body of Christ ready to share those challenges? Or do we go, no, I've got it all right, thanks very much. No, it's all good. No, no. That vulnerability, that humility to share our problems with one another. The sharing of truth about each other. Well, that's the one we don't like to talk about. This is how things really are. Oh, I don't know. I, I have a phrase that I like. It's uh, real friends don't stab you in the back. They stab you in the front. But what I'm talking about is a loving relationship based in unity in Christ allows for that to be a safe place. A safe place where you can be told all the truth about you in a loving way that causes you to grow, to change, to evolve into the image of Christ even more. One in sharing failures. We don't like to share our failures. But unity, true unity, true oneness would see a sharing of those things that, well, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look like I failed. But there's a vulnerability that comes with true unity. A sharing in someone else's initiative. You know, we're so good in the Western church to tell you about these are the programs I'm running. 
Oh man, when will the body of Christ rise up and start supporting what someone else is doing? We've got a movement day service here on Sunday night uh, next week, 5.30, Nick, is that right? And Red Door, we're shutting down our afternoon service so we can all come here. Because there's something about when the community see this is not just about my local church, it's about something bigger and grander, it does something. It shifts the atmosphere like nothing else does. It's called sharing in someone else's initiative and saying, we're going to support that. And that breeds trust. It's trust. It's trust that we need. Are you okay? Am I, is it right? Are you hearing me? Am I, am I making sense this morning? That's very good. That's helpful. One in sharing pain. There are times when we've had things that have hurt us, things that have affected us. We've got to be quick to share each other's pains and hurts so that the mistrust that churches have between each other can be removed and that trust between each other can grow. We've got nothing to hide, nothing to prove. Jesus has proven it all. Amen? But the love that we have for one another must be visible. It must be seen. Have you heard that statement in uh, James that faith without works is dead? I would say unity without visibility isn't really unity. Ah, oh, love this church, love what you're doing, pray for you. It's great, it's not wrong. <laughs> How can we demonstrate it? How can we reveal it? How can it be visual so you can see it and stir each other, out, uh, each other up towards faith and good works? I don't want you to mishear me today. Unity is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Really important to say, because sometimes we can get on the, I, I do it, I'm the best on it. Get on our unity bandwagon. Yes! Unity, unity, unity. No, Jesus is the goal. Unity is more like a fruit of fully devoted followers of Jesus. Like if you're really following him, he will usher you towards oneness with his body. He will. It's a normal way that God leads his children. The father leads his children. He wants us to be family. He wants his kids to get along. So why is this so important? We read it already in John 17, that the world would know that you have sent me, that the father has sent the son. Jesus is saying that unless the world sees an inexplicably compelling, loving community, unless the Christian community is that strong, the world will not believe in the claims of Christ. The claims of Christ are crazy. This is the Son of God. He's the Son of God. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. They won't believe the claims of Christ unless, as a community of faith in this city, we are living out those claims. They become real, tangible, alive. Two ways to think about this is that we need to honor the name of Jesus in such a way that our lives resemble that. That our, the name of Jesus is so honored that it, how we love each other, the quality of our Christian community is reflected in our love for one another. I heard a commentary say, about, say this, that do you know any churches like this? Do you know any churches that have gossip, insensitivity, negative criticism, jealousy, backbiting, an unforgiving spirit, failure to fully welcome people of other races and classes, cliques, coldness, greed, selfishness? Do you know any churches like that? If you do, or maybe you are one of those people, you are making Jesus look ugly to the world. These things are not wrong in themselves, but Jesus, sorry, these things are wrong in themselves. Let me clarify. They're wrong in themselves, but Jesus, as we read John 17, he's almost giving the world the right 
to reject him if it's not backed up with a unified, loving community seen, visible. Does that make sense? I know, got, got quiet here for a minute. Is everyone okay? So here's a, here's a, here's a statement I've, I've loved, and, um, and, and Movement Day has been the one that introduced me to this sentence, that division in the church breeds atheism in the world. Division in the church breeds atheism in the world. But what's good about John 17 is the fact that Jesus is talking about this means that this type of community, this type of oneness is actually possible. It's actually doable. I want to read to you Acts 17. It's a, a fantastic little scripture, and I feel like it's meant for Mount Pleasant to hear today. It's from verse 26, and it says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I love that image that God has marked out. He's the, he's the master orchestrator. He's, he's orchestrated Mount Pleasant Baptist to be here in 2019 in this very moment for the very purpose of seeing unity pushed forward, unity growing. It's always been moving, but you need to know today you're sitting here, you are part of this family for a divine purpose to embrace what God is doing and what God is doing through this place is saying, you will be my mouthpiece for unity in this city. You will be my mouthpiece that there's more that unites us than separates us, that Jesus is enough to make us one. You will be that mouthpiece. Mount Pleasant Baptist, this is who you are. I need to tell you that because you need to own that and say, yes, this is who I am. This is who it's been. It's been on Graham for so many years. It's on Nick now. This is who, it, this is who you are. And it's not just on leadership. It's on you as a church community. A church isn't leadership. We need it. But it's the people who call this place home. Does that make sense? So how do we get it? It's obviously not easy. Because if we had, well, it's easy. We've been done it by now. Human beings don't naturally operate like this. We don't naturally do this. Because deep inside, we, each of us are trying to justify ourselves. We are. But Jesus says it ends here, at the cross. It says, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is remarkable to me. Do you believe this? To the same degree that God loves his son Jesus, he loves you. Like this very minute, this very second, to the degree that the Father in heaven loves the Son, he loves you. If you get that, it will breed in your spirit, in your heart, a new way of relating to people. It will be a whole new world order inside your spirit, inside of your heart. So the act of listening, the act of being open, the act of embracing someone else who's a brother and sister in Christ, even though they might do things slightly differently, will suddenly grow. You become more teachable, able to receive. Sometimes we think it's so easy, well, it's so easy to think and believe, well, I, I know it all. I've been around church for 52 years and I've seen everything. It's tough to remain teachable. But we've got to, humble, to be molded by a new reality. Are we comfortable 
Or maybe we're too comfortable in what we think we know. Because the unknown's scary. And if we stay in a place of pride, we risk falling into what some would call sectarianism. You ever heard that word before, sectarianism? It's seeking unity in uniformity rather than unity in diversity and expecting someone else to go, well, until you believe with my set of values, my set of beliefs, I can't have meaningful relationship with you. So stay over there, please. That's sectarianism. That's not what we're talking about. But if we're humble, we'll say, no, what can I learn from you? How can I see, rather than going to another church and say, how can I correct their theology? How can I go there and say, ah, I see Jesus here. That's powerful. That's a unifying position. What's interesting is um, Jesus didn't leave the earth and give us the Apostles' Creed. He didn't give us those things like uh, the essentials and the non-essentials. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, it's in the non-essentials that we can have liberty over, but it's in the essentials we must agree on. And he didn't give us those things. He didn't give us a list. Come on, Jesus, that would have made it a bit easier. No, he gave us his spirit. His spirit is the one who's going to draw us into all truth and cause us to be unified in the person of Jesus rather in doctrine, rather in our capacity to try and articulate something that in this life is going to be so hard to articulate until sin is completely dealt with and no longer ever exists again. We will see things as they truly are. I've seen this video, and I don't know if you know me, but I like videos that kind of make you think a bit. And so this is a video um, by another Adam, actually, but it's not me. Someone asked me in the first service. It's not me. You might be familiar with these guys. So let's have a look at this video for a second. There are a bunch of videos out there that show these things getting into sync if you let them run for a while. Come on, guys. Get with it. It all looks so easy online. Although they start out syncopated, these metronomes eventually tick over into a synchronized symphony. But can you make metronomes dance to the same beat at home? There is one thing that I keep noticing in all the videos of the metronomes syncing up, and it is that they always seem to be sitting on a platform that moves slightly, that's got a little shake or shimmy to it. Let me show you why I think that's important. If I move this metronome while it's ticking, even small movements have a significant effect on the periodicity of its ticking. I've got a couple of soda cans. This is my platform with shimmy. Got a metronome, and I just want to see what happens when I put one on here. Do you see it? It's totally moving. This is very cool. This little metronome is definitely having an appreciable effect on my platform, and I think it'll have even more of an effect if the platform's lighter, and I've got just the thing. All right, this is working great. It's definitely having more of an appreciable effect because I've got a nice bearing surface platform, light aluminum pipes, and a very light platform for it to sit on. I'm taking away as much friction and momentum as I can so that only the metronome is having the effect. Now let's try two. Adam doubles his trouble with two metronomes set to the same tick mark. Look at the movement on this platform. And after two minutes, the shimmy takes over. Stay with it, boys. Nice. Nice, it's totally working. 
It just took them a little while to find each other's rhythm. Cool. I have an idea. If I stop the platform, they should drop out of phase. There it is. The moving platform is totally, totally critical to this experiment. So if two will sink, will five march to the beat? This pink one is messing with my mellow here. Well, three minutes in, and something has come unsunk. This pink one is way out of phase with the other four. The other four seem to want to get into phase with each other, but the pink one's not playing along nicely. Why can't you get along like your brothers? All right, here we go. Let's try. Amazingly, it seems that Adam has tickled the pink just the right amount. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So sync with those metronomes is only possible to the degree that the platform is movable and flexible. How flexible? How movable and flexible is your platform? Now, when we think about the rock that we stand on, who is Jesus Christ, we see that as an immovable object. And correct, it is. But I think the platform in this particular case isn't necessarily our belief in the death and resurrection of Christ. The platform that it's talking about here is how movable is your heart towards other people? Are you someone who finds it difficult to forgive quickly? I want to be someone who forgives quickly. I want to be movable in the sense that my heart has movability, moldability. So when someone sins against me, my heart is quick to, quick to forgive, Adam. What are you talking about? Oh, well, I would if they'd, you know, apologize. I would if they'd agree with me. I would if they'd come my halfway down, the, down to my place of understanding. The problem is that you think forgiveness is about justice and forgiveness is actually about freedom. Forgiveness is not about them paying the penalty for their sins by your bitterness and rejection, but it's actually about your heart finding freedom. How movable are you? How quick to forgive are you? To the degree that you've experienced the forgiveness of God yourself is a degree that you can forgive others. Now, you might think forgiveness... Let me use another word, bearing with one another. Just bearing with another is, one another is an aspect of forgiveness. How able are we to bear with one another within the body of Christ? The more we can do that, the more we will be able to get into sync, get unity, perfect unity, oneness with one another across the body of Christ in our city. That's what we're looking for. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up as we bring this to a close this morning. So the exposing statement is this is that if you find it hard to forgive others, there's reason to ask the question whether you've fully experienced God forgiving you. That position, that statement is an exposing one because it says, God, I don't want to be the person who finds it difficult to connect your love to someone else. I don't want to be the blockage. I don't want to be the one who is more of a disunifying voice a divisional voice, I want to be a unifying voice. And each one of us sitting here plays that part in the body of Christ in this city. How able are we to bear with one another, no matter where they come from, no matter where their background is, but they believe in Christ, therefore they are family.
Why don't you just bow your heads for a minute. Father, I thank you for every person here. And you know every hurt. You know every disappointment. You know every circumstance and situation that has caused our hearts to, to have a hardness about them. To, to be resistant towards this notion of forgiveness. And so, Father, tonight, today we, we ask by your Spirit, soften our hearts, cause us to understand how quickly you have bared with us, that you have forgiven us, that you have reached out to us, so that our hearts, in a compelling way, would find it easy to forgive like you forgive. Lord Jesus, for many of us who have been hurt and injured by people's words, other people from in the body of Christ, other words from the family of God. God, I pray for healing today. Healing from those old wounds that we would learn to trust again. Because we trust you more than we trust humanity. Holy Spirit, please do that in our hearts today. Heal us. That this complete unity, this oneness we speak of would be so possible. Father, thank you for this church today and I pray, God, over this amazing Mount Pleasant community. Father, that we would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that we would see and taste that you are good and it would cause us to be so open, so free, with nothing to prove because, Jesus, you've proven it all. Father, we pray that prayer as Jesus prayed. Holy Spirit, make us one. That we would be unified in Christ. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.